Today I'm joined by a Professor Perry Pickhart, Professor of Radiology and Chief of Gastrointestinal Imaging at the University of Wisconsin, who's the senior author on an intriguing paper uh, entitled Left-Sided Polyps Detected at Screening CT Colonography. Do we need complete optical colonoscopy for further evaluation? Welcome, Dr. Pickhart. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, I, uh, when I first read your article, I, uh, it occurred to me that uh, optical colonoscopy is a little bit under siege from a number of sources. And in particular, there's been some controversy on the relative merits of uh, optical col colonoscopy versus flexible sigmoidoscopy. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about this controversy and how it relates, if at all, to the study that you did? Uh, yes, it, it's true that there has been some, some intriguing work, and I would just highlight two papers that have come out recently. Uh, the first one being a, a randomized control trial, actually, from Wendy Atkin and colleagues and that was published in Lancet, which really is a landmark paper because it was the first to show that, uh, that uh, flexible sigmoidoscopy or any endoscopy uh, in a randomized control setting could reduce uh, colorectal cancer mortality. So it was landmark. Uh, from that standpoint alone, but the fact that it only involved flex sig or flexible sigmoidoscopy did not evaluate the right colon, it makes one wonder, well, would, would we do better with full colonoscopy? And I, I think the uh, bookmark paper to that is one by Baxter and colleagues that was in Annals of Internal Medicine, where they looked at it in Canada, a very large uh, uh, pa patient cohort, um, and found that there was uh, a mortality benefit from left-sided evaluation, but they failed to show any right-sided cancer uh, benefit uh, with full colonoscopy. So, you know, we, we now have sort of mounting evidence that conventional colonoscopy or endoscopy is, is excellent for, for uh, evaluating the left side of the colon, and, and clear benefit has been shown. But uh, to this point, no benefit from the right-sided evaluation, and that brings up issues of biology and technical nature as well, since mm -hmm. obviously it's very challenging to, uh, to evaluate the right colon with, with conventional endoscopy. So in this context, why did you actually decide to uh, do the study that you are reporting? Well, this is more, um, uh, the reason we looked at this study is now that, now that CTC is beyond the validation phase in terms of uh, its ability to detect relevant lesions relative to colonoscopy, we felt maybe now it's time to move beyond uh, redundant evaluations, that is, when we perform a, a screening CT colonography study and a patient has positive findings for th that is six millimeter or greater polyps in the left side of the colon, do we really need a, a, a repeat screening or redundant evaluation of the right side, that is, with a full colonoscopy, or could we just do the therapeutic endoscopy with flexible sigmoidoscopy? So that's, that was really the motivation, and anecdotally, we, we kind of got the, the feeling that we weren't uncovering significant findings very often from, from the complete colonoscopy. And of course, the difference there being um, a very significant differences in, in cost between these two studies, uh, between flexible sig, sigmoidoscopy and colonoscopy, on, you know, up, up to four or five times uh, uh, more expensive for full colonoscopy. Complication rate may be an order of magnitude higher. 
They more often use sedation and, and a fair fair amount at that. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of economic and clinical reasons to try to uh, scale back if possible. So that was that was the motivation for seeing if this is even feasible. Now, in, in your study, you defined left-sided lesions, of course, from the uh, rectum to the splenic flexure, but it was unclear to me. Is there information available that would tell us how often flexible sigmoidoscopy can actually reach the splenic flexure? Yes, I, I mean, that's a great point, and I think that's probably the main limitation of our study. We can over, only offer an estimate. Flexible sigmoidoscopy is supposed to reach 40 centimeters by their scope, at least, uh, insertion. As far as what that means in terms of, of a person's anatomy, um, I think it is variable. I think there are times when a flexible sigmoidoscopy reaches proximal to the splenic flexure, but certainly there are times when it probably doesn't quite get there. So that is a good point, and I think I would temper our results to, you know, anything near the splenic flexure in a patient with a very redundant left colon, we might might not want to uh, limit ourselves to flexible sigmoidoscopy. But it's so clear from CTC, um, the colorectal anatomy is, is very precise. Localization is, is basically mm -hmm. exact, and we know exactly what the colon looks like, how tortuous, and so forth. So I think it, it is valid for anything clearly within the left colon from, say, the, you know, at some point, the descending colon through the sigmoid. But sure. I agree that there is an issue of, of precise localization mm -hmm. at, at colonoscopy. And if you can kind of just briefly review exactly what you did in the analysis and, and what did you find? Sure, I'll try to be brief about this, but you know, over a very large cohort of over 6,500 screening adults, we, we narrowed it down to those folks who uh, were positive only for left-sided polyps, six millimeters and greater, uh, and there were, about, there were about 400 of those, and many of those actually undergo uh, polyp surveillance under our um, natural history trial, so we only, had, we only sent, uh, in the end, 171 patients to uh, complete colonoscopy who had their with left-sided polyps who had their study within within a month and they had to reach the cecum of course have a complete exam so we excluded patients who only had a flex sig after a positive ctc uh, and so forth and uh, so of that group the yield of left-sided findings was very high in fact after all is said and done at that optical uh, study with flexible with the full colonoscopy i'm sorry uh, we identified 239 lesions that were six millimeters and greater, and that included seven cancers, 82 advanced adenomas, and over 100 large polyps in, in total. Um, so that was the left-sided yield. If you compare that to the right-sided yield for, for things six millimeters and greater, there were only eight small polyps, six to nine millimeters, and two uh, large polyps, a 12 millimeter and 14 millimeter adenoma. Um, so that, that's a very small yield in a fairly large uh, cohort and the question is, is, is that small additional yield, does, does that necessitate the full evaluation in every single patient given all the, uh, the additional concerns of, mm -hmm. of cost, complications, and sedation? So um, there were also some diminutive lesions, although the diminutive uh, lesions were outnumbered left to uh, right or, or distal to proximal 96 to 26. So actually very few diminutive lesions even were seen uh, in the proximal colon. So. Looking at all this, we really felt that um, when, you, when, you, when you weigh it all out in, in some patients, I think uh, doing a complete colonoscopy after we've cleared the right colon at CTC uh, is, is really redundant and, and not necessary in our opinion. Well, that's, that's very, very interesting. Now, uh, in, in reading your uh, study, I did note that at your institution you afford uh, patients undergoing the screening CT colonography 
the opportunity for uh, an optical study with polyp removal the same day if they so choose. And just, I'm curious, what is, uh, what are the logistics of it? How many patients uh, agree to do this? And is there a long wait? And how do the gastroenterologists kind of incorporate this into their workflow? Uh, sure. Our program is, is really a patient driven, so we work closely with our gastroenterologists um, in, in the screening program. It's a two-way street, of course. They send us incomplete colonoscopies that we often perform a CTC um, same day in most cases, unless the, the preparation was very poor. But going the other way, um, yeah, we, we patients know going in that uh, they only have to undergo a single bowel preparation, which is probably the most difficult part of all of this, knowing even if it's positive for the 5% that have a large polyp and 8% um, you know, that will have a small polyp, they will all have the option of same-day colonoscopy, assuming they're not on anticoagulation or some other mm -hmm. uh, concern. And, and I think patients really uh, appreciate that going in, knowing that they don't have to repeat the bowel prep for a positive study. We read these studies and set them up actually on purpose very early in the morning. So we do our screening CTCs between about 7 a.m. and um, nine or 10 at the latest in the morning to allow enough time for our endoscopist to clear a spot for a first day of polypectomy. Um, getting at numbers, the last time we looked, about 90% of cases were done same day with, uh, with a pretty small minority uh, who were either on Coumadin, who just didn't feel like going through it and, and wanted to deal with it later. But, but really, most people take advantage of this, and I think, uh, I think it's an important part of, a, of, of the screening, the programmatic approach to CTC screening. Good. Now, somewhere, uh, I seem to recall there's some literature suggesting that the rate or, uh, of advanced neoplasia is actually higher on the right side than on the left, or at least that's what I learned when I was a, a medical student. Are you concerned about this? Are you worried that the data that you have, uh, which is in fact just reflective of 10 uh, lesions, uh, may have sort of a sampling error component? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly right-sided lesions. I think that's perhaps what's being missed at screening colonoscopy and what's maybe hurting the, uh, the, the lack of benefit from, from right-sided evaluation. I, I personally think CTC is in a, in a better position the right colon tends to be uh, the easiest part for us to evaluate. It's the most capacious, and uh, the sigmoid gives us the most problem with distension. But the cecum and the ascending, for example, are, are, are quite easy to distend and evaluate. And the, the distance from, from the anorectal uh, region, of course, isn't an issue at mm -hmm. virtual colonoscopy. Right. So having said that, we, we have already uh, you know, validated CTC in terms of its uh, ability to detect advanced neoplasia in the right colon. Uh, with many screening trials and diagnostic trials and and so you know to keep repeating that i think at this point is not, is probably not necessary we've already proven our ability to detect the things that matter now these additional lesions that are rarely seen of course fall within the imperfect uh, performance of any mm -hmm. test as you, as you mentioned the some of the left-sided lesions that that were found um, our sensitivity is still over 90 percent for those cases we sent our positive predictive value actually is over 95%, so we're both fairly sensitive and specific. And, and really, I mean, th there'll always be additional lesions if you do everything on everybody, mm -hmm. but, it, but at some point, I think there's a, there's a reasonable point where we can, we can uh, not, not go to that level. And, and I, think we're, I think we're reaching that. With, uh, and I would just add that maybe the ultimate screening strategy when I think about all this is, is an alternating CTC flexible sigmoidoscopy mm -hmm. sort of approach where 
you benefit from a very close left-sided evaluation at endoscopy and the benefit of the non-invasive right-sided evaluation, uh, which would obviously uh, result in many fewer complications and, and I think, uh, uh, cost savings relative to full colonoscopy. Sure. Now, with these interesting results, has practice changed at your institution, or what are the next steps for the, do you think we need before uh, we think about implementing this approach? Yeah, that's that's a uh, very good question. In the U.S., unfortunately, one one barrier I think we are up against is the reimbursement rate for colonoscopy is is much higher than flexible sigmoidoscopy. Um, we found some reluctance and resistance to having our endoscopists agree to do just a flexible sigmoidoscopy, and I'm I'm concerned part of that is the uh, the difference in in, in uh, reimbursement mm -hmm. uh, possibly, although it's you know it's. <laughs> It's hard to pinpoint that exactly. Um, so our practice is always is slowly changing. We certainly have had many cases where the patient is um, maybe more debilitated and they, they're happy to stop at a flexible sigmoidoscopy, but um, uh, there's still definitely, it hasn't changed our practice uniformly. And, and when, we, you know, when we discuss these results with them further, I, I, I hope to keep changing minds, but it hasn't, it hasn't been just a flip that switched, unfortunately. Well, maybe uh, in the U.S., sort of the changes with healthcare reform may stimulate more interest in uh, sort of a more uh, cost-sensitive approach to uh, colon screening. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would kind of hope that the problem would maybe take care of itself by, by balancing out sure. reimbursement. I think that's a good point. Well, Dr. Pickard, I want to really thank you. Uh, this is a, a really good study. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much.